Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Everybody, got to make sure everyone's awake here. Welcome to Liquid Church. My name is Tom, and uh, we are kicking off our brand new spring series called Red Rooster, which is really a series about leadership, but more specifically, not just any kind of leadership. Today, we are talking about failure in leadership, which is really the idea of where the red rooster comes from. As many of you know, uh, one of the greatest leaders throughout all of Scripture is the Apostle Peter, and uh, Peter is known for a number of things. And in many ways, our faith today vitally hangs on the fruits of Peter's leadership uh, throughout the Scriptures. Because here's the deal. Peter was a man of great faith as well as action. Okay. In fact, if we were to use today's sort of key buzzwords, you would describe someone with Peter's personality as uh, someone with a bias towards action. Exactly. Right. And some of you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you are this way. You sort of take the lead. You go into action when no one else around you would. They just sort of sit there. Right. For instance, If you were to turn to Matthew 14, you'd see, and I I won't read the whole thing here, but basically one day around 4 a.m. in the morning, okay, Jesus gets up and he starts walking on this lake towards this boat that is full of his disciples. Verse 26 says this, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage It is I, don't be afraid. Now watch this, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. In other words, while everyone else was still on the boat, shaking in their boots, because they just saw this ghost, okay? Peter was the only one to actually interact with this ghost-like figure, step out of the boat, and walk towards Jesus on water. Now guys, seriously, just, just think about this for a second, okay? Would you jump out of a perfectly good boat at four o'clock in the morning towards a ghost? right? This is crazy. So say what you want. Peter was one bold hombre. I mean, he had an audacious faith. This is a guy with real zeal. He was passionate and courageous, a man of faith and action. 
okay? He was an activist, not, not one of those guys who does a lot of talking and no walking, okay? Peter was a natural leader, a man amongst men, a leader of leaders. You know something? There are so many other incredible assets about Peter, so many other incredible stories. In fact, later on, like this one, in the book of Acts, okay, after Jesus had been crucified, dead, buried, rose again, okay, it's actually Peter. Peter is the one who goes out there and preaches the gospel so boldly, so courageously, that in one day, about 3,000 people gave their lives towards Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and they got baptized on the spot. I mean, make no mistakes. Peter is a leader par excellence. But our friend Peter, probably more than most, is also best known and most associated with one of these guys. Okay, now just look at that thing, all right? That's a, that ain't no chicken. All right, that's a rooster. You ever been to a farm? Raise your hand if you've ever been to a farm. This thing's so loud and obnoxious, okay? So anyways, right? They're loud. They're rude. They just, uh, uh, okay. Uh, just, if you just media table, if you just cut it out. I'm trying to speak over here, okay? Loud, loud, rude, and obnoxious those things are, those animals, those creatures from hell, okay? Now, some of you might be like, why? What, what's the connection here? What, what's going on? Well, what you and I have to understand is this. For all of Peter's leadership strengths, for all of his charisma and character, for all of his incredible victories, Peter was also a man of epic, epic failure. Failure. (laughs) Of which the crowing rooster is the ultimate blaring biblical example. In fact, I want you to do me a favor right now. Turn with me in Matthew 26, found in your scriptures on page 691. This is our main text for the day. And uh, as you're turning there, let me just share with you, you know, we've all come out of the Easter season just now, and I was, I was thinking how it's so easy to lead people when you have momentum on your side, right? I mean, when people are excited about things, it's easy to be a leader. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were all fasting together, right, many of us? We, we attended the midweek Wednesday night services, prayer and worship, and then, and then a week after that, a couple weeks after that, and, you know, doing that, we, we celebrate Easter together, 3,000 people across three campuses, praise in the raisin, so to speak, you know, celebrating Jesus Christ, our ridden Lord and Savior. That's amazing, right? And then last week, we get baptized. We baptized actually 70 people, over 70 people who said, you know what? I want to get out of the boat. I want to go into the water and follow Jesus. So it's like been totally all smiles around this place for the past couple of weeks. But here's the deal, okay? Here's the deal. Uh, Jesus, when he was approaching his last days on earth, the road to Calvary actually started getting more and more and more narrow. You see, what happened here is Jesus started saying things that people really didn't want to hear. Jesus, all these people were following Jesus, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Unless you lose your life, you won't find it. 
He started saying things like, oh, no, 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 you don't, you don't get it. You think about following me is all about the miracles and stuff like that. No, 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 no. You need to deny yourself. You need to carry your cross daily. That's what it means to follow me. Uh, he, he would say things like, no, 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 you don't understand. In this world, you will have actually many, many troubles. See, it's no surprise then, people started dropping off like flies, right? They were like, no, 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 no. That's not what I signed up for. I want the shiny, happy Jesus. I want the Jesus who's king and who rules. I want to I follow that leader, right? So don't be pushing all this hardcore stuff on me now. No, no, no. And so people began abandoning Jesus left and right, left and right, all over the place, to the point where Jesus actually predicted that his own disciples would actually do the same exact thing. They would start abandoning him. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse 31, this is what it says here. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. But then notice, notice who speaks and what is said next. Verse 33, who? Peter. Peter replied, even if all, even if all fall away on account of you, what's Peter say? What are the next three words? I never will. Even if all fall away, I never will. I never will. Turn to your neighbor, tap him on the shoulder, say, I never will. I never will. I never will. I never will. You're all a bunch of liars. Bunch of stinking liars, okay? Because, folks, in the annals of bold predictions, those three tiny little words, I never will, they rank right up there. I mean, you got to figure, any Jets fans in here? Any Jets fans? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, excuse me. All right. You got to figure someone like Joe Namath's, you know, Super Bowl prediction that was like ages ago, okay? So relax. Uh, I guarantee it. You know, that's up there, right? JFK's challenge to the U.S. Hey, let's be the first nation to set a man up on the moon. That was big stuff, right? Or maybe even Bill Gates' vision of a computer in every single home. Those were all bold, bold predictions. And you know something? Peter's declaration right here is made of the same type of steel, the same type of grit. Even if all fall away, I'm your boy. I never, I never will. See, leaders, by their very nature, they make bold predictions. Leaders are visionaries. Leaders are people that look into the coming days and speak into the future. That's, what, that's one of the things that leaders do. They make bold predictions. And likewise, Jesus had a prediction of his own. Yeah, check this out. In verse 34, he says, I tell you the, pr- the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me how many times? Three times. <laughs> we got ourselves a little show down here, right? See, Peter's not the only one making these bold predictions. Jesus comes right back at him, and he says, no, 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 you you don't get it. Not only will you disown me, no, Jesus, I would never do that. 
<laughs> but you're going to do it tonight. What are you talking about, Jesus? No, and not only, not, not just once. What? Not just twice. Huh? Three times tonight, you will disown me. You're going to disown me, Peter. Guys, don't you have someone in your life who is just like so absolutely clueless? Maybe they mean well. Maybe they're good intentioned. But they're so clueless because of their own hubris, their own arrogance, their own self-absorption. And you're just like, you know, they make all these fancy, bold promises, and you're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. You just kind of shake your head, and you just sort of, you know, you just lift up a prayer for them, right? You, you, amen? You, anyone like that in your life? If, if you can't think of someone, then don't worry. Someone's probably praying for you right now, okay? <laughs> and you know something? <laughs> That's like our Peter. Some of you finally got it. Okay, that's, that's, that's like our Peter, right? I mean, I mean, look at this guy, right? He's standing up there. He's talking to Jesus. He's talking to God in the flesh, God incarnate. And yet Peter is the one that says to God incarnate, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't understand me. Can you believe this? And so rather than being humbled... Rather than than taking a step back, much less be sober, (laughs) Peter, he actually doubles down. He actually goes one step further. He goes over the top. Verse 35, but Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples, what did they do? Said the same. Why? Why did all the disciples say the same? Because Peter was their leader. You follow a bold visionary. You follow a charismatic personality. You follow a man, a woman with conviction and character, someone with a backbone who says, you know what? I don't care what all these other people do. Come hell or high water, I am following Jesus. Let me say something right here. If you ever grew up with a grandma or grandpa, quoted the King James Version Bible, right? Well, this is where grandma and grandpa would insert this Old Testament proverb. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. I don't know why that sounds like Yoda in my head. It just does. Okay? But the reality is, it didn't take but just a few hours not days, not weeks, not months, not years. Just a few hours later, and things start crumbling apart. In fact, skim with me through the rest of Matthew 26, and it shows us very quickly that after the bold predictions are exchanged, Jesus took his disciples to a garden of Gethsemane, and there he asked them to pray. And it was in that garden that Jesus got arrested. And again, you got to love it. We're going to get more into this next week. But what is Peter's reaction when Jesus gets arrested? He takes out his sword, cowabunga, and starts going crazy all over, chops off a guy's ear, okay? It's craziness. But here's the best part. I mean, I I want you to try and imagine this, okay? Here comes Peter's chance to actually put into action what he just promised Jesus in front of everyone just a few hours ago. Have you... Let me, let, me, let me stop right here and say, have you, ever, have you ever made God a promise? Ever tried to bargain with him a little bit? Like, God, you know, if you do this, I promise, I swear to you, I will change. I will give you my firstborn. I, my, my life will be totally different, right? Have you ever done or said or thought anything like that? Like, God, you know, if you just help me get married, 
If you just get us pregnant, if you help me, you know, close on this deal, if you help me find a job, I will follow you all the days of my life. Well, this right here is Peter's opportunity. Here now is his chance to prove it. See, Jesus was arrested, right? And in the middle of the night, he was roughed up, got intimidated, got beaten up, and he was brought to trial by the religious police who were threatened by him. Now imagine this. Jesus, your leader, is taken from you, okay? And you, you've just made these grandiose promises to everyone, and so you're, you're sort of set skulking in the shadows of the night, right? There's Peter, okay? The Peter, the one who said that, I'm going to die for you. I will never leave you. He's in the shadows of the courtyard, sort of waiting for his moment to maybe rush up and save the day and, and make good on his promise, right? But at that very moment, check this out, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant, what? Girl. A servant girl came to him. Now, folks, you got to understand this. Right or wrong, I'm just telling you as it is. Right or wrong, during the first century, to be this little pipsqueak of a girl, to be a servant girl, was to be the lowest of the low on any pecking order. It was virtually a no one. I mean, we're not even talking about a free man. We're not even talking about a free woman, okay? This is just a tiny little servant girl. This is the least threatening person on any social scale you could possibly imagine. And this pipsqueak, this little servant girl says to Peter, Um, (laughs) you also were with Jesus of Galilee, weren't you? But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Wow. Wow, that's really different than than a few hours ago when when he was leading the men, he was leading the troops. I never will deny Jesus. You got to be like me, right? But then again, maybe we're being too hard on Peter. He's only human. We all make mistakes, right? He was just, you know, stressed out. He got all that adrenaline pumping in him. There's no time to actually process things. Maybe, maybe he didn't even realize. You ever been in this situation? You don't even realize what you're saying, what you're doing. You're just kind of reactionary, just kind of going off the cuff there, right? It was just some silly little girl who got in his way. Shoo, shoo. Verse 71. Then he went out to the gateway where what? Another girl. It's amazing who God uses to humble you in your life sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> he went out to a different place, and another girl saw him and said to the people there, <laughs> No, this, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He really was. I saw him. Right? Verse 72, he denied it again, only this time he does it with some oomph, with an oath. I don't know the man. Again, Peter, what's he do? He doubles down. 
Because that's what you do when you're a leader, when you're a zealot, when you're bold. That's what you do when you're backed up against the wall, when you're in a corner. What do you do if you're a leader? What do you do if you're bold and you're strong? You come out with your fist swinging even harder, even stronger, right? Come on, you got to have some conviction, people, right? Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and they said, no, 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 surely, surely you are one of them. For your what? Your accent gives you away. Now, guys, let me just stop right here, okay? What do you suppose Peter's accent was? He who was an uneducated, unrefined fisherman. In other words, you got to understand, Peter was a sailor. And I'm guessing he cursed like one too. What the freaking, 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 little stupid girl, just get out of my, get out of my face. Mind your own business, stupid little girl, freaking frick. You, you, you think I'm going overboard? Think I'm exaggerating? Ch- check out this next verse, verse 74. Then he began to call down what? Ooh, curses. On himself, and he what? Swore. And he swore to them... I don't know the man. Freaking, 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 freaking. I swear to God, I don't know this freaking, freaking. I don't know Jesus. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside. And what does it say Peter did? Wept bitterly. What do you do? What do you do when you've promised God? God, I'm going to live for you. I love you so much, God. Thank you, Jesus. You changed my life. I'm going to live for you. And then you fail miserably. Again. And again. What do you do? And just last week I was sharing, right? We had over 70 people get baptized at Liquid Church. Men, women, and even some children saying in their own words, I'm going to follow Jesus because I know that he died for me. I mean, I look at that and I hear modern day miracles coming out of their mouth. For someone to say that, for someone to confess Jesus Christ, you got to understand there's a, there's a work of God happening in there. That doesn't just happen. We don't get there by our intellect. God's spirit has to stir in our hearts. Those are modern day miracles. Let me tell you something, man. From, from a pastor's perspective... Gosh, when I have the privilege, when I have the pleasure of reaching down into that tub and and bringing a person out of those waters, 
I swear to you, it's like I'm like, I can almost feel, I can almost see the love of God filling up their hearts. As they emerge, and it's like this, they had this new beam on them. It's, it's, it's this new life, it's this new light, it's this new shine. It's amazing. I got the best seat in the house. But you know something? I have never had a single moment. And we've baptized over 600 people since I've been here at Liquid. I have never had a single moment where someone comes up out of that tub and says, wow, that was amazing. But next week, I think I'm going to go back to smoking pot. Never happened. I mean, how, how deflating would that be? And yet, that's exactly where we find our fearless leader, Peter, as he denies Christ again and again and again. And so he went outside, didn't want anyone around him. He went outside and began to weep bitterly. Folks, have you ever not just wept. I'm not just talking about being weepy. I'm talking about, have you ever wept bitterly? I mean, choking on your red hot tears. Has this ever happened to you? A moment where all your little failures amounted into one colossal epic failure again and again and again. You know, just recently, I met with someone right here in our church. And this guy is an amazing story. He has experienced some remarkable success. Just absolutely victorious, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered victory in dealing with many of his demons over the past several years. He's a Christian man today, but he wasn't always. He formerly, he he struggled with a lot of demons, and one of them was addiction to uh, drugs. And, you know, he became a believer right here at Liquid. He got baptized joined a life group, was on one of the volunteer teams. Basically, this dude was just living for Jesus. He was a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. In fact, he was so clean, and he was clean for a while now, a couple of years, that God opened up an opportunity where he was actually serving at a different ministry and helping those that suffered with the same demons that he did years ago. An amazing story. New creation. But then one day I got the call. Uh, yeah, Pastor Tom, you, you got to come see him. He just spent the night in jail. What? What are you talking about? What, what happened? Uh, I, I, I don't know. You just got you just to come see him. He just, he like went home for the weekend I think his like grandfather or his grandmother died and he passed away. And so he, he went to go bury him and, and, and he just got caught up with all his old friends. His old crew came by and it was just, he, he just got caught up in the wrong thing and then bam, he just fell. And guys, the only way I could describe to you when I saw him, I saw him a couple of days later, the only thing I could describe to you was that I was just looking into the face of a man who the, just, the, the life was just sucked out of him. You know what I'm talking about? 
the boldness, the charisma, the joy, the confidence, the zeal. It just got... He just got sucked, and he was so deflated. He was shattered. Couldn't even look me in the eye. He just, he just, literally, this this big dude, too, he was like shaking. He was literally shaking. Could not tell me his story. And he was weeping bitterly. See, because at that moment, at that particular moment, Everything he stood for, everything my friend believed that Christ had done for him over the years, everything that that he had seen and felt and experienced Jesus do in him and actually threw him onto others came crashing down in an instant. And this big old dude was just weeping. something there is nothing more heart-wrenching and stomach turning than to sit across the table from someone who's weeping bitterly because of their own epic failure something that you thought would never ever happen to you no one no one here ever thinks that the rooster is going to crow on your watch. As a matter of fact, you know, thinking about that, right? This kind of reminds me. Why are we even talking about a rooster anyway? Why, why is it a rooster's crow? Why not like, you know, I don't know, something like a, like a dog's bark? That's pretty common. Why not the dog barking? Well, let's, let's think about this for a second. Have you ever seen a rooster walk? A rooster never just walks, right? Rooster kind of struts his stuff, right? He's got a little J.J. Dynamite in him, right? Right? And a little bit of this, right? Okay? He don't fake the funk on no nasty junk, all right? All right? You know, I think, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us think a good leader, a good picture of leadership is, you know, just sort of strutting your stuff. That shake what your mama gave you, right? You got to do this. That's what a leader is. But here, you can't get over that, I know. But here, <laughs> here though, Peter is choking on his tears. He is weeping bitterly. Our bold and audacious leader has been flat out humble. Humble. And what's amazing, guys, and this is the beauty of the gospel right here, is that it's people like Peter. It's people like my friend who relapsed and was weeping bitterly. It is people like you and it is people like me that God uses, that God chooses to lead his church. Because you know what? Jesus also made another prediction about Peter. You see, This whole prediction right here, this whole exchange right here, that's not the only prediction Jesus made about Peter. No, for a long time, way before the the rooster sort of strutted on the scene, okay, Jesus made an altogether different prediction about Peter in a few chapters earlier. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said this, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, what's he going to do? Let's read it together. 
I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will build my church so much so that the gates of hell won't even be able to take you down. See, you have to understand, we got a little play on names here, okay? In the Greek, the name Peter comes from the word Petros, which actually means a little piece of stone, Petra. In other words, Christ was saying from the get-go, no, 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 you don't understand. I want to use you, Petros, Peter, piece of the stone. I want to use you, Petros, to build my church because I know that there's something in you that's rock solid. And I see in you, despite all the rough edges, I see in you something good and something strong. And you will be a piece of the rock, Petra. And you're like, what? Rock? Peter? This guy just got his socks rocked by a little girl, right? I mean, whatever happened to, to this guy, you know? All of a sudden, he's like this. All of a sudden, the rooster's now a chicken, right? Again, the shame, the humiliation. If you've ever had this happen to you, where, where, where you failed not only yourself, but you feel like you failed God. Peter must have thought, God, you know, oh my goodness. God will never forgive me. I can't even forgive myself. You guys been there? Have you been there? But you know what? If you ever thought like that, if you ever thought like Peter... This is the amazing thing about following Jesus. Even when we desert him, he will never desert us. Never happen. See, this isn't the end, thank God, of Peter's story. See, he and the disciples, after Jesus was crucified, let me ask you, what did they do? Jesus got crucified, and what happened to the movement? What, what, what did Jesus and the disciples do? They went back to fishing. They dropped the ministry, and they went back to fishing. Why? They were humiliated. Made all these bold predictions. Did all this miraculous stuff. Now their leader's dead. So they just, they got to make a living, right? They just went back to what they knew best, what they knew most. Got in their boats, and they went fishing. This is awesome. It's in that exact context that jesus next appears to them after his resurrection as a matter of fact the last chapter of john the gospel of john john chapter 21 says this early in the morning jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was jesus see jesus was dead he got buried that's the last they saw of him they didn't realize that this was jesus now on the shore verse five he called out to them friends haven't you any fish now they answered verse six he said Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now watch. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for you, taking it off, and kerplush, jumped into the water. <laughs> there he goes again. All right, that's our boy Peter. Right? That's what he does. He's a man of action. Always the first one in. Right? Looks like he has a little bit of faith still left in him. So by, by the time Peter actually swims to shore, okay, Jesus was done making breakfast for them. 
And so now they have, they're, now they're having a little breakfast on the beach, just like old times, just like old times. And, and afterwards, Jesus asked Peter three questions. First one, do you love me? Yeah, you know I love you, Jesus. Second question. Again, she said, do, do you truly love me? <laughs> of course, yeah, Lord. You know, you know that I love you. I'm your boy. Third time, Jesus said to him, do you love me? And scripture says, Peter was what? Hurt. Because Jesus asked him the what? Third time, do you love me? Guys, why, why do you think Peter was hurt? More, more specifically, why is it precisely on the third time that Peter feels this pang in his heart? Like, like Jesus, why are you asking me again? Why does Jesus ask Peter three times? What else happened three times? Yeah, exactly. Peter denied him. Just a few days before, Peter denied Christ three times. Understand this, people. See, this is Jesus' way of confronting Peter's failures by coming through the back door. By coming through the back door, he actually brings up Peter's greatest moment of humiliation and failure and defeat. Remember, Peter wept bitterly about this, bitterly choking on his red-hot tears. But Jesus, Jesus brings it up in an incredibly gracious and merciful way. He does not make Peter grovel. He does not bang Peter over the head again and again and again. See, the way of Christ is always so, it's beautiful. It's it's almost artful. It's so gracious that even in the wake of epic failure, Christ offers total forgiveness. Jesus deliberately shows Peter grace and restoration, not just callous retribution. Guys, let me ask you, have you ever been betrayed? I'm talking straight up betrayed. This person promised you. They promised. They made made an oath. They made a vow. And they straight up denied it. Again, and again, and again. You ever been betrayed? You, you ever have your whole world collapse on you? Uh, what, what do you do? What, when, you, when that happens to you, at that moment, what do you feel like doing? When you're betrayed, most of us, we want to act with retribution. Oh, we want the holiness and judgment to come out, right? I mean, maybe you're here today and you're feeling like, yeah, you know what? I've got a Peter in my life. This person has wronged me so bad. 
They made all these promises, and then they just spit on me. Even after all these promises, retribution needs to be made. Heads must roll. But Jesus, Jesus' way is all about restoration. In fact, one of the last scenes is Jesus actually putting the final touches of restoration on Peter with one last prediction. Check this out. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, what did he say to him? Then he said to him, follow me. See guys, it all boils down to this. We become great leaders when we become great followers of Christ. Amen? We become great leaders when we become great followers of Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, Christian leadership is about following Christ. The best Christian leaders I know are the best Christ followers I know. Or, as Jesus himself put it, and whoever wants to be first must be your what? Slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, see many of you, many of you, you have it upside down. You think Christianity, you think leadership is about strutting your stuff. You're going to make bold predictions. You're going to do big things. I'm going to make people's heads turn and look at me. But no, 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 no. Jesus says, the last will be first. You must die to have life. Only through the cross do you have anything. That's what Jesus says. And when you are willing to die to yourself and carry your cross daily, and, and when you're willing to die to yourself and to the flesh that wants to jump out of the boat, when you're willing to do that, that's when the beauty starts happening. See, quite frankly, I think that Jesus, I think Jesus must have seen inside of Peter this small mustard seed. And, and, and he must have seen, he must have known that this Peter dude was an activist. And he must have said something like, yeah, you know what? I can use that. I can use that for my kingdom. Because later on, I need someone with chutzpah to, to step up to the Sanhedrin. I need someone that's going to preach boldly. And I, but you know what? I got to channel that first. I got to take all that fire and temper it with something called humility. And I'm going to use your failure. I'm going to help you fail forward. I'm going to use your failure to build up my kingdom. See, guys, we need to understand this. Jesus didn't hammer Peter for his failure. Instead, Jesus used Peter's failure to hammer his character. He hammered his character. He molded it and shaped it into something that was tempered with humility. So for those of you right now, right now, this morning, you're, you're sitting here today and you walked into this place with your own failure. You, you walked in here and you need to understand, yes, God is 
addressing that right now. God is bringing up your failure right now. But it is not to humiliate or make you feel worthless. No. The Spirit of God is is bringing that up right now to say, you know what? You don't have to stay in your failure. You don't have to sit there. In Christ, you are forgiven and restored. So get on up. Get on up. Proverbs says this, a righteous man falls seven times. He rises again. He rises again. What's the point there? Point being is this, it doesn't matter if you've fallen seven times or 12 times or 34 times, so long as you get on up the eighth time, the 13th time, the 35th time. Am I preaching to somebody here? With Christ, you can get back up. That's what I had to say to my friend who was weeping bitterly, who relapsed. I said, dude, you don't have to stay there anymore, man. You can get up. You are forgiven. You are restored. Get up. See, the brilliance of Peter was that he actually, he received the forgiveness and restoration of Christ. So be honest with God about your failure. Throw yourself on his mercy. Throw yourself on his grace. And you know what? As you do, as you throw yourself on his mercy and his grace, it will keep you humble and it will keep you going after Christ day after day after day. And in that, you become restored. And that, is the kind of leadership on which his church was built. You see, in God's economy, human failure is actually the building block of success. Peter's failure was God's victory. I want you to think of it this way. Peter led boldly, right? Peter preached boldly. You know what else Peter did? Peter sinned boldly. But here's the deal. Jesus forgave even more boldly. Remember, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is about restoration, not retribution. So for those of you who are sitting in your own sin, understand this has not disqualified you. God can use you and your failure to build you up and to build the church up as well. Others of you, you're like, you know what? This doesn't apply to me. But you know something? You have people in your life who have let you down. Others who weren't there for you, who abandoned you when you needed them the most. Could be a parent, could be a spouse, could be a friend, could be a pastor, right? And they've let you down when, right when you needed them. Well, now here's your choice. You have a choice. You can stay bitter and choke on those bitter tears, or you can boldly jump out of the boat like Christ did, into the loving arms of a Savior and say to the Savior, Lord, teach me how to love. Teach me how to forgive just as you've forgiven me. Teach me how to live. I want to humbly follow you so that you can lead me. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you right now. And Lord, we, we got a bunch of Peters in this place. Lord, I think of my buddy, so big, giant of a man. And I know, I know you changed his life. You changed his life. You gave him new life. He was dead. You gave him new life. You gave him a new identity. 
But Lord, he did what, what many of us do. He relapsed. He got into the wrong situation at the wrong time with the wrong people. And just weakness came over him. His flesh came over him. And, and he just, he messed up. It was a moment in time. He messed up. And that just sent him spiraling. God, we've all been there. We've all been there. I pray for him right now. I pray, God, that you would pick him up. A righteous man falls seven times. He gets up because of Jesus, not by his own willpower, not by his own strength, but because of Jesus who resurrected the dead. God, I am like Peter. (laughs) Peter's actually way better. He only denied you three times. I'm doing good if I don't deny you three times in a week. I'm doing good if I don't deny you three times in a day. God, I need your mercy. I need your mercy. God, I pray for every man, woman, and child in here. We need your mercy. Folks, would you say this together right now with me? We need your mercy. We need your mercy. Lord, you see in us the seed of faith. Would you be as gracious to us as you were to Peter? Even through all his foibles, even through all of his, just his craziness, his silliness, his foolishness, all of his rough edges, you still saw him in him a seed of faith, and you caused it to grow. And your word says that you will complete the good that you have begun. I pray that you would do that. I pray that over all these people right now, that you would complete the good work that you have begun, even as you did in Peter. Lord, help us to be great leaders by being great followers of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.